Welcome to Brazilian Politics, the podcast where three political analysts talk about all things Brazilian politics. This week, we will discuss the final week of the presidential campaign and the possible effects of the Antonio Palosi plea bargain deal. Welcome to Brazilian Politics. I'm Michael Lopez. I'm here with my colleagues, Lucas and Thiago Aragão. How are you guys doing today? Hello, everyone. All right. Well, here we are. This is the last episode before the first round of Brazil's presidential elections, which will take place on Sunday, October 7th. We obviously have a lot to talk about. We have polls, strategies, and possible governing coalitions. But I'd like to start off this discussion with the story that has been dominating headlines in Brazil all day, today, Monday, the Antonio Palosi plea bargain deal. Today, Judge Sergio Moro lifted the secrecy of the plea bargain deal signed by former PT minister Antonio Palosi, known as a financial operator for the party. And in the plea bargain deal, Palosi makes some important revelations. Uh, he makes statements that include that the PT campaigns in 2010 and 2014 cost about 1.4 billion reais, which is double what was declared to electoral courts. He said that provisional measures drafted during PT administrations were used as instruments of corruption. He recounted a meeting that including, included Dilma, Lula, and the president of Petrobras, where they discussed on how to make political use of Petrobras contracts. This is undoubtedly heavy stuff. My question to you is, how does this affect the dynamic of the campaign in the final week? Is this a game changer? Michael, uh, I don't think that this is necessarily a, a super game changer uh, variable because those that are voting for, for Haddad already acknowledge the, the corruption that has uh, been going around under the Workers' Party. They vote for the PT because they remember the good times economically under Lula and they reject Jair Bolsonaro. However, this could have an impact in two scenarios. One, it will give more fuel for the anti-PT vote and will be used by Bolsonaro in the second round to bring uh, more moderate voters to his side. So I think it undoubtedly makes the second round uh, uh, more open from this point. And also, uh, Bolsonaro wishes to arrive in the second round with a bigger distance uh, towards Haddad. And Haddad has been closing this distance uh, in the last polls. I believe that this Palocci issue might uh, reduce this possibility of, of closing the margin from Haddad to Bolsonaro in the first round. And uh, the, the period, the moment in which this comes out in the, in the campaign, it comes in a, at a moment in which the division and the polarization between these two candidates is already very deep. So hardly something new uh, revolving around corruption linked to Haddad or something new around what Bolsonaro has spoken in terms of controversial is issues in the past would alter considerably the position of their current voters. Uh, so this is something that the timing also is not as impactful as if this had happened perhaps uh, a month ago or two months ago. That's very well put, Thiago. Uh, one thing that we have to also keep in mind is that while there may not be a lot of time before the first round for the Bolsonaro campaign to truly uh, take advantage of this fact, Uh, in the second round, the, the Bolsonaro campaign will, will surely make use of this. Um, but the fact is that Lula's 
connection to corruption is really nothing new. And uh, just as Chago put, the polarization uh, would tend to maintain uh, the camps where they are right now in this highly polarized environment. Absolutely. And, and the, thing, the fact that Adad has a narrative that it's basically a nostalgic narrative, only recalling everything that came from, from Lula in order to, to prevent the opponents or the press uh, to talk about the corruption scandals that happened uh, during the PT year. Um, this could be a, a breath of fresh air in terms of new ammunition to be used by Bolsonaro in the second round against Haddad. Because uh, this is uh, our, our new facts with very little knowledge uh, from the current voter as something that just emerged uh, today and a few days ago. Uh, so this can give also the strength of a new narrative for Bolsonaro that he wasn't using as deeply as he could. And it's interesting, the, the timing of this is interesting for the Bolsonaro campaign because it, Bolsonaro had a, a tough week uh, last week. And so we had uh, Bolsonaro being targeted by the, the different opponents uh, in the race. We also had uh, his allies his economic advisors and his vice president giving very controversial statements about sensitive topics like labor rights and taxation. Um, but the fact of the matter is this Palosi plea bargain deal changes the conversation and it changes the conversation at a time when the conversation was focused on attacks on Bolsonaro, not only in domestic media, but in the international media as well. And it's a welcome change of conversation for the Bolsonaro campaign. And it's important to mention, uh, guys, that uh, the Bolsonaro campaign is a highly emotional one. Uh, he is a candidate that doesn't have a lot under his belt when it comes to political achievements. Uh, therefore, is a, a candidacy that is based solely on narrative and momentum. Uh, candidacies like this, they, they feed out of events that bring emotion to the, to the political arena. The stabbing of, of against candidate Jair Bolsonaro was one of them. This Palocci plea deal is another one of them. Uh, so I think it's a, a positive moment in the, in the campaign, especially in the last 10 days when we saw the gap between Bolsonaro, who has been leading the, the polls, and the second place, uh, who once was Ciro, now is Haddad, uh, closing down uh, every week. So it's... Uh, a very welcome fuel for a highly emotional campaign of uh, Jair Bolsonaro. One, one concept that we have discussed uh, a lot in Brazil is judicial activism and uh, political actions uh, from judges or from the judiciary as a whole. Does the release, does the lifting of the secrecy on Palocci's deal, the weak of the presidential election, does this represent judicial interference in the elections? Michael, no. We cannot claim categorically that this represents any judicial interference. However, uh, the judiciary has played also an important role in regards to timing. So the timing in which certain things occur, they definitely alter the course of things. And the out. And the timing in which this is, is uh, happening right now is something that definitely creates an impact for the second round. And it's something that definitely, uh, as Lucas well explained, alters the course of things. 
and and also Michael, the 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 judicial activism. It's it's important to mention that a lot of it is done subjectively and according to the law. Uh, it's a it's a very um, you know it's a debate that not necessarily you will find uh, a by the books answer if something that is being done is a judicial activism or not. For instance, just weeks ago, we 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 were were able to see in 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 uh, the, the the campaign of Geraldo Alckmin, the public prosecutor's office of São Paulo, uh, re, re you know uh, shuffling. Uh, uh, the the campaign accounts of Geraldo Alckmin from 2014 that had been uh, slow and, un, and untouched for for several months now and emerging in the in the middle of a, a presidential campaign is it wrong to do that it is not because the public prosecutors are doing their work can the timing be criticized it can but it's very difficult to 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 point out that this is a a judicial interference with practical legal points to be attacked. Yeah, whether whether this is judicial interference or not, I think one thing is clear is that the story plays in to Bolsonaro's strengths and it plays into Haddad's weaknesses. One of Haddad's weaknesses is the issue of corruption is uh, the PT's involvement in the Mensalão and the Petrolão and the different corruption scandals that have been investigated by the car wash operation. And it plays into Bolsonaro's strength of being the representative of anti-politics. So Bolsonaro is framing himself, despite his long history in the lower house of representatives, as somebody who does not participate in these types of deals, uh, these types of uh, meetings, uh, these these types of uh, illegal financing of campaigns. So it, it plays into his strength while also playing into Haddad's uh, weakness. So it's very dangerous for Haddad. And Michael, the, the judiciary has been um, n- not participating, but has been unveiling a very deep and strong uh, facts over the past years that no candidate can be a surprise regarding the, the the timing in which those things come up. Uh, this is something that we're living for the past four years. Um, so so this coming up right now in relation to to Pelosi and that could affect Haddad is something that should already be um, analyzed and expected by the two teams, both from Bolsonaro and from and from Haddad. If we look back, there were several events in which these uh, the judicial decisions they have partic- occurred in a specific timing, that they were definitely prejudicial to one side or the other. We recall that Prosecutor General, uh, former Prosecutor General Janot, for example, he um, made an accusation against President Temer, which later was rebuffed by the Parliament, only days before the voting of the pension reform, in which many claimed that this had uh, sank the the chances of the pension reform being approved last year. So the timing and the magnitude of events has been occurring in Brazilian politics over the past four years, and we cannot expect this not to happen anymore. Thank you, Thiago. And and because the timing is so critical uh, right now, um, we need to, to keep an eye out for any other possible revelations that could come. This is a, a critical time where these types of stories uh, could have a, a 
a big impact on the polls. Um, now, moving on and looking at this week, we have uh, several polls will be released. Uh, we have uh, the most important televised presidential debate on TV Global, which will air this Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. What what should we expect, not only from Haddad and Bolsonaro in this debate and in this crucial week, but from the other candidates as well? Well, Michael, uh, the poll released uh, last night, early this morning, the first hours of, of Monday of BTG FSB, showed that Bolsonaro uh, stagnated, which I believe is absolutely normal given the size of, of the campaign that he is running in terms of, of percentage. Haddad uh, has limited his growth a little bit, which is good news to 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 the PT. Alckmin, for the first time, has uh, appeared in the third place. This has happened mainly because he continues to attack Bolsonaro, but he also attacked the PT, started attacking the PT once again. I think the strategies at this time are Haddad will continue giving uh, signals to the center that he's a more moderate left candidate that one would expect from the PT. Bolsonaro doesn't have much to do at this point because he doesn't have TV time to present his messages. He has said that he will try to go to the global debate uh, on Thursday, uh, while uh, Alckmin will continue to attack both sides uh, of the of the uh, more radical sides of the Brazilian politics and present himself as a moderate. I believe that this is comes a little too late, attacking both sides, uh, Alckmin, and we should... Uh, confirm on Sunday a second round between Bolsonaro and Haddad. Uh, and then in the second round, it will be much clearer where the strategies are, including a more a strong movement to the center, a more moderate message from Bolsonaro. And this debate could have a stronger impact if we have seen a more close race for the second place, for example. With the consolidation of both Bolsonaro and Haddad ahead of everyone else, Their, their strategies in, in, in this debate is simply not to make a mistake. If they just play neutral, if they just don't, uh, if, they, if they become, the, just act discreet in this debate, this is what they need. They just can't create new facts that could damage them now or in the second round and, and just cruise through this, past, this last debate. Alckmin, he needs somewhat a miracle. He needs to do the presentation of his life. He needs to do something so astonishing that could produce a, a different result than we all expect on Sunday. But what we can also see are the type of messages that Haddad and Bolsonaro are going to use in the second round. And these messages, we're going to start to listen and to, to know them and, and how if their narrative will be more uh, less aggressive or it's going to be redirected to fit the battle in the second round that it's likely to happen for both of them. I, I agree with something that Lucas said earlier, which is that we could see uh, this move to the center. We've seen it already from Haddad uh, since uh, maybe a week, a couple weeks ago. Um, but Bolsonaro's move to the center seems to have uh, been delayed. We, we don't see him uh, making these grand gestures towards moderation. And I think part of that fact lies in the in the fact that The, the presidential elections right now, prior to the first round, have descended into a, a very serious sort of tribalism. Over the weekend, we had uh, demonstrations uh, from women voters and uh, really it, it, a movement that 
was filled with also more leftist uh, supporters, even though the agenda was not necessarily uh, an explicitly leftist agenda. Um, the polls were conducted of, of the demonstrators who went to these uh, different events in cities throughout the country, and they were found to be largely uh, from the left. Um, but the, the following day on Sunday uh, in, here in Brasilia, uh, we saw the Bolsonaro campaign organize a, a long march onto the Esplanade of Ministries, uh, the center of where the government is here in, in the city of Brasilia. So I think this tribalism, like Chago also said, will tend to diminish the importance of, of the presidential debate on TV Global because the, the tribes have already separated into what they believe and they will continue to believe what they want to believe, which means that things like the Lava Jato revelation won't have as big an impact as they could in a different uh, moment in the campaign. And, and talking about uh, how uh, Brazil has a, a very, you know, ever-changing political environment, in 2014, we saw in the last 10 days, Aécio Neves, the PSTB candidate, grow 15%. Uh, some people ask me, is this possible under Alchemy in these last seven days? I think it's much more unlikely than what happened in, in 2014 with ISU and Marina. And why is that? The first point is that Marina did not have a consolidated electorate like Bolsonaro and Adagi has. Her level of spontaneous vote, which is a good variable to indicate how uh, consolidated the vote was, was a much lower Uh, including in, in proportion to what Bolsonaro is today. The level of people that said that they were certain to vote to her is much lower than what Bolsonaro has today. A second uh, point is that Aécio was a more aggressive candidate uh, compared to Alckmin, meaning that he was a much bigger representation of the anti-PT sentiment in Brazil than Alckmin is today. Therefore, the sprint of reaching uh, to the second round for Alckmin is much tougher than it was to ISU four years ago. So given that the most likely scenarios that we will see Fernando Haddad and Jair Bolsonaro in a runoff round, obviously we already have rampant speculation about what a governing coalition would look like under each camp candidate. Uh, what, what can we say to listeners about what these governing coalitions would look like with two candidates that are running in such polarized elections? Michael, uh, we, we have two candidates that they have uh, created a basis around them, at least during the campaign, of very passionate voters and under a very passionate cause. Um, we see that different than other elections, the support for the candidates right now has been very uh, individual, very nominal, and not necessarily a party support backing them up. I would see that the, they, they both are going to have certain difficulties uh, if elected. Bolsonaro will have some, some difficulties because he will have to form from scratch a coalition to begin the administration in which he wouldn't inherit a group of parties that are already his uh, campaign coalition. When you look at Haddad, for example, he already has several parties inside his campaign coalition, which he would simply carry on forward um, to, to the presidency if he actually won. One thing that we must observe is the positioning of these traditional powerhouses that are 
um, that have shown over the past years to swing from one side to the other. The, the, the way that the PMDB would behave under a new administration, the PSD would behave, the, the, code so, the, the so-called big center parties and how they would position themselves. These would be the key decisors uh, to show how these two individuals would be able to form a coalition. We made a projection at ARCO of the possible Bolsonaro and Haddad governing coalitions, which showed some very interesting allied base for both. Uh, if Bolsonaro was elected, in the best scenarios, he would have this sev- uh, center-right uh, right parties, uh, which would give to him about 230 to 295 representatives, which is enough to approve simple bills of law, but not enough to approve constitutional amendments. Uh, in the Senate, this number would be a, a, even a little bit more worrying. He would have between 18 and 42, which would be uh, much difficult, uh, even harder in the Senate to approve constitutional amendments, which require 49 seats. While Haddad, he, if elected, since he have, has a greater openness to compose alliance, he would be able to bite out of left and center parties. Uh, this number would go to about 295 to 365 in the House and from 29 to 54 in the Senate. So in best case scenarios, capacity to approve constitutional amendments. Does this mean that Bolsonaro would be unable to approve constitutional amendments? Of course not, because the rest of the votes would be negotiated case by case. But it does demonstrate that Bolsonaro has a longer uh, a longer uh, path to run in, in scenarios of coalition building than Haddad uh, in, in case uh, they win. And I think it also shows that both candidates and their teams will have a great deal of work ahead of them in order to build these complex governing coalitions, especially in such a polarized scenario. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back next week. Our next podcast will take place after the first round of Brazil's presidential elections. We invite you all to tune in. Thank you.